Lord God, thank you, Father God. Thank you for this meeting tonight. Thank you that you're always here meeting with us, Lord. We do appreciate that. And we appreciate that you come to every meeting faithfully, Lord. Help us to use this time tonight to really seek your face and to pray with all our hearts and to get answers and results from you, Lord Jesus. Just guide us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, Father God. Amen. So, I welcome you if you're visiting. Uh, my name is Brother Rich Carrier. I think I know just about everybody here, but in case I don't know you or you don't know me, I'm Brother Rich. Um, so, we've already filled out some prayer cards, it looks like. So again, I have a short word, and um, I'd like to talk about the need for revival the need for revival in our community. Uh, Would you agree we need a revival? Would you agree our land is hurting? Our community is hurting? We need a revival, right? How does a revival occur? I was looking up some stuff about revival, and I thought this was an interesting um, uh, quote, if you will, or series of quotes. This was uh, taken from the internet. It says, revival, revival happens when God's people are prepared. It happens when we are ready for it with tender hearts and humble spirits. We can't orchestrate widespread, far-reaching revivals. That, that's God's work. Revival often begins with people coming under deep conviction and crying out in confession and repentance for their sins. Revival does not occur outside of the atmosphere of prayer. And every one of those thoughts I just thought was really good. So I just said, I'm going to put the whole thing. Um, You know, so it says here, revival does not come outside of prayer. We're going to use tonight to pray. And I would like to encourage us to pray for revival. Pray for revival first within our own hearts. And pray for revival in our local community. And pray for revival in our country. And as I said... um, It says here, revival begins when people come under deep conviction and cry out in confession and repentance of their sins. And that kind of ties in with where I want to go in the words, so uh, just keep that in mind. So I asked the question, could we use a revival right about now? I would say absolutely. We're long overdue in this country, right? Things are bad in this country. There's no secret there. Things are pretty bad. Um, especially these last couple weeks. Last few weeks have been pretty uh, traumatic for our nation. And just to recap a couple things. On May 14th, 2022, a mass shooting occurred in Buffalo, New York, at a Topps grocery store on an east side supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood. Ten African-American people were killed and three other people were injured. The accused, identified as 18-year-old Peyton Gendron, allegedly was not from the Buffalo area, but drove in from several several hours away to commit this crime. This was a man who was filled with hatred and prejudice and purposely was targeting African-American people. It's terrible. Ten days later, May 24th, 2022, 18-year-old... Salvador Rolando Ramos fatally shot 19 students and two teachers while wounding 17 other people at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. 
This came after he shot his grandmother, severely wounding her. Considered to be the third deadliest American shooting after the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007 and the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012 and the deadliest in Texas history. Ten days apart. It's terrible. It's terrible whenever a tragedy like this occurs, but when children are the target, there's something even worse about that, isn't there? It's terrible. On top of all this, our Supreme Court is deciding whether or not to overturn national abortion rights, and we see that it's causing people to go out of their mind. It's causing people to go out of their mind at the thought that abortion might be overturned. I mean, that would be a good thing. It's time for a revival, isn't it? We need a revival in this land. We're hurting. It's wearisome to even turn on the news. And yet, none of this should surprise us. Paul told us that perilous times would come. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Is the love of many waxing cold? We need a revival, don't we? We need a revival. Should we be praying for revival? I say yes, we should. Should we be asking the Lord to revive our community? Yes, absolutely. So let's look at a time of revival that occurred in the Bible. First, though, if you'll permit me, I have to kind of set the scene and kind of talk about the bad stuff that was occurring before we can get to the good stuff so that it puts it all in proper perspective. So bear with me with some of these details from the Word of God. Let's go to 2 Kings 21. We're going to read verses 1 through the first half of verse 7. While you're turning to 2 Kings 21, this is about King Manasseh. King Manasseh, who was a wicked king of Judah, and he was Hezekiah's son. And although Hezekiah was a righteous king, his son Manasseh completely went the other direction, completely was wicked, completely brought the land into terrible, terrible things. It says here, speaking of Manasseh, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole, just as King Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. Well, we've seen violence against children as of late, but the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun, right? And here we see a wicked man who was doing violence even to his own child and encouraging such violence to be done, obviously, to other children by setting up this idolatrous worship that involved that type of uh, sacrifice, if you would. It's wickedness. Verse 6 says, He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh even made a carved image of Asherah and set it up in the temple. 
Verse 16 says, Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. Well, our nation's trying to fiercely defend abortion right now. And abortion is the murder of innocent people, is it not? And it says here in the Bible that Manasseh murdered many innocent people. And not only did we just talk about what he did to his own son, but obviously uh, his, uh, the people of the land, he was causing them to murder their own children. It's a terrible picture. And tradition tells us that Manasseh was so wicked that he ordered for Isaiah the prophet to be sawn in half to meet his death. That's not biblical, but that's what uh, Christian tradition teaches. Manasseh died and his son took his place and his son was just as wicked and just continued the practices of his dad. So I'm setting the stage here of how bad things were. I'm setting the stage because we're about to see where a revival takes place. And I want to encourage you tonight because you may be thinking, how could God revive our nation? How could God revive our city? Things are so wicked right now. Things are so bad right now. But I want to show you that in the Bible... Things were pretty wicked at this time period, but the Lord was still able to have a revival. So I'm hoping to give you some hope about that and, again, something to pray about. Was there a need for a revival at that time in Israel? Absolutely. Things were really at a low point in their, in their history. Should the people have been praying for revival? Absolutely. Praise the Lord, though. Revival finally came during the reign of King Josiah. Amen? Let's take a look at 2 Kings 22, verse 11. Josiah was Manasseh's grandson. So I told you Manasseh was wicked, and I told you that Manasseh's son was wicked. Josiah is now the grandson, and he decided he wasn't going to follow what his dad did and what his grandfather did. He was going to do what was right in the Lord's eyes. And as he was trying to make some changes... Uh, they were trying to repair some of the damage to the temple. And one of his, uh, I think it was the, the high priest, found a, a book of the law and they presented it to King Josiah and they started to read it. So let's look at Second Kings twenty-two eleven. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Let's jump down to verse 18. Josiah hears the word of God and he's moved. He's moved and convicted, maybe of even personal sin perhaps, but just moved for his nation and how far they have fallen. Verse 18, Josiah says, But go to the king of... Or I'm sorry, Josiah sends them to this, I believe it was a prophetess, and she says, But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, This is what the Lord, of, the, Lord the God of Israel says concerning the message you just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance, and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. Josiah started this, what was going to be a revival, it started first with Josiah. He wept before the Lord. The Bible says that He wept in repentance, so perhaps he felt he needed to 
get his own heart clean. But he went to the Lord first to get his own heart squared away before he could now have the heart of the people change as well. And maybe tonight, if we need to get our heart clean before we can pray for the community, let's, let's, I encourage that. Let's jump down 2 Kings 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So a revival is starting to happen here. Josiah first goes, gets his own heart cleaned up, repents, cries, and weeps before the Lord, asking the Lord for mercy, and now he's ready to go and say to the people, come on. I'm going to read you the Word of God. I'm going to read you what it says. We need to get our heart right. We need to cry out. We need a revival to take place in our land because we've done wicked. For the sake of time, you can read this on your own. I'm just going to summarize some of the reforms he did. But if you read uh, chapter 23, verses 4 on down to the end of the chapter, you can see the reforms that Josiah did. I'll just summarize them. In verse 4, Josiah gets rid of all the items used to worship Baal and Asherah and the worship of the planets, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Verse 5, he gets rid of all the idolatrous priests doing the pagan worship. Verse 6, he gets rid of the Asherah pole that was inside the temple and burns it. Verse 7, he tears down the living quarters of the idolatrous worshipers that were inside the temple. Verse 10, I'll read this one. It says, Then the king defiled the altar of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom so that no one, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Molech. Josiah then proceeds to go from city to city, smashing idols, burning all the statues and all the items of worship, and undoing all the previous evils that both his father and his grandfather had brought into the nation. And he reinstitutes the worship of Jehovah, the, the worship of the Lord. And Josiah, as I said, experienced a personal revival first in his own heart, which then triggered a tsunami of revival throughout the kingdom of Judah. Amen? A revival was needed, and it came right at the height of wickedness in the land because one man started to pray. And I'd like to focus on that for a minute. Things were really bad, probably at the lowest point in Israel's history. But one man heard the word of God and tore his clothes and wept and cried out to the Lord. And the Lord was able to start revival from one man's prayer. Well, we have quite a few of us here tonight. And what if we got before the Lord tonight? And what if we, metaphorically speaking, tore our clothes and cried out to the Lord, first for our own personal lives and then for our community, so that maybe that could trigger a revival? Does that sound like a good idea? Amen? We might say our land is in the height of wickedness right now. But hope is not lost. If the Lord could send a revival at the height of Israel's wickedness, could He not do the same in our community? 
and in our country. I'm going to leave you with two scriptures and then I'm going to offer for us to come up and pray. First, we'll pray, like I said, for ourselves and our community. And after we have spent a little time doing that, eventually we'll get to people's individual prayer cards and requests, okay? But I want to leave you with two scriptures. You can turn to Second Chronicles 7.14. We know this scripture, but maybe you never thought of it like this. Kind of leapt off the page to me a little bit. I've read this scripture many times, but I just, for whatever reason, never looked at it the way I'm looking at it right now. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Well, here's the part that jumps out at me, and I never picked up on it. The Lord says, if my people called by my name. He's not saying, if the heathen nations of the world will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, etc., etc. He doesn't say, if the wicked, sinful people who don't believe in me turn from their wicked ways. He says, if my people, my people, the people who are called by my name, Are we called by the Lord's name? Are we called Christians? He says, if my people... Now, I know in context, he's talking about the nation of Israel. But could we also... Are we not the Lord's people? If we're going to apply that scripture, is the Lord saying, if my people that call themselves Christians, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal the land. Do we expect the people of Syracuse to humble themselves and repent? Well, yes, that, that's our hope, but, but it has to start in the house of the Lord first, doesn't it? We're the ones that have to pray for the Lord to heal the land. We can't expect the sinners to ask God to heal the land. Maybe they might, but we can't expect that. It's got to begin in the house of the Lord first. If my people humble themselves and pray... So, last scripture, Acts 3.19, again out of the New Living Translation, says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What's the key to a revival? Repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. And then, then, after you've done that, then the time of refreshing will come then the time of revival will come. Amen? I'm not accusing anybody here of being a sinner. But let's be honest, we all know that if we look deep in our hearts, we probably don't have to go too far to find where we've disappointed the Lord, right? Let's cry out to the Lord first for ourselves so that once we get that squared away, we can now cry out to the Lord for our community and ask the Lord to revive our land and ask the Lord to revive our city and our state and our country and our world. And maybe if enough of us, if all of us are praying and we have the same spirit that Josiah had, one man was able to trigger a tsunami of revival throughout the whole land. If we get together collectively, maybe we can trigger a tsunami of revival in our city and in our nation by God's grace. Amen? So the front's open. 
Let's begin with some prayer, and then, as I say, we'll get to the cards afterward. Thank you for your, your time. I just wanted to say one last thing. You know, in the New Testament, I know I, I focused primarily on the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we could say that things had gotten at their worst. They put the Lord on the cross. Does it get worse than that? Israel was lost. But by God's grace, He raised Jesus from the dead, and Peter preached to the people. Preached to the very ones who a week before were shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. Does it get any worse than that? And the Bible says 3,000 people came to Christ that day. And on a separate occasion, Peter preached again, and 5,000 came to Christ. The Lord is able to work in adversity. And even when things are dark and there doesn't look to be hope, the Lord can send revival. 8,000 people came to Christ and the church took off and we are still seeing it take off to this day. The Lord will have the final victory. Thank you all for being here tonight to pray and be in agreement. And Lord, we just thank you for this night. We know that you hear us, Lord. We know that you're concerned about these things even more than we're concerned about them. And we just want your will to be done, Lord. First in us, then in our city, in our state, in our country, and in this whole world. Lord, no matter how bad things get, open the door, Lord God. Open the door to keep saving souls. And Lord, use us that we would see an increase in this church, that we would see an increase in our home fellowships, that we would see more souls coming to you, and that it would be like the early church, just growing leaps and bounds. Thank you, Father God. You're all dismissed.